0: Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of the QuietMark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, CMO at QuietMark. And QuietMark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. Through scientific testing and assessment, QuietMark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors, including home appliances and technology, building sector materials, and commercial sector products. Every day, well certainly most days, I receive an email from our monitoring software informing me where QuietMark has appeared in the press. And just last week, one of those notifications said that QuietMark had appeared in a magazine called KBB Focus. And the notification had a headline of Jane Blakeborough, the top five priorities for our homes in 2022. And as I read through it, it said that Jane worked for a company called Trend Monitor, and she had compiled a useful post-COVID trend map for the UK home improvement sector summarising how consumer behaviour has changed. And here, Trend Monitor Research Director Jane Blakeborough highlights the top five priorities consumers now have for their homes. And as I went through those top five, I was very pleased to see that one of them was Quiet Home, in which Jane had written, Noise is very much an invisible pollutant, as many layers of sound can build up over time. Whereas previously, we may have been able to ignore these layers of sound, working from home, and in particular, when on Zoom. Or in virtual meetings has made us extra sensitive to the amount of noise we have going on around us in our homes. Spending more time at home during lockdown has emphasised the detrimental effect of being constantly surrounded by noise from domestic appliances, technology and poor acoustics. This, in turn, is impacting on our mental health and energy levels. QuietMark, the International Consumer Champion Award programme associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society charity, is seeing an increased interest in products that ensure that acoustic design is as important as visual design. Naturally, I was delighted to read the inclusion of Quiet Mark in the feature and immediately reached out to Jane to see if she might be interested in discussing that wonderful report in further detail on the Quiet Mark podcast. She kindly agreed and is our guest on this episode of the Quiet Mark podcast. Welcome to the show, Jane.
1: Thank you. Hi, Simon.
0: Hi, how are you? And where are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. I'm in sunny Halifax today, which is where I live.
0: Ah, Fantastic. Thanks again for agreeing to come on the show and for mentioning us in that wonderful report that I announced there at the beginning of the program. Before we go into that report, which I'd love to discuss in more detail with you, um, tell us a bit more about yourself and Trend Monitor, please.
1: Trend Monitor is an insight resource for the home improvement industry, in particular kitchens bathrooms and surfaces. And we provide targeted consumer and market insights and trend analysis for major brands, multiple retailers, trade associations and the trade press. And we've been doing this for over 16 years.
0: Wow, 16 years. So the piece that we saw in KBB Focus, which I'm pleased has brought us together. Tell us a bit more about that because it mentioned a trend map. So what was going on there? How did you put that together?
1: We have been looking at trends for, well, like say 16 years now, and in particular ones that impact on how we use our homes and the sort of social and demographic impacts that go on around us, which mean that we use our homes in a certain way, in a certain um, situation. And with COVID, everybody was saying things are going to change. And how are they going to change? And when we first went into lockdown, we were very aware that there was lots of reports going on saying this is the new normal. This is how we're going to behave in the home for going forward. And we were very quiet for a long time because we knew that these these behaviours were actually brought on by by fear, by lack of choice, by uncertainty. So we were behaving in a way that wasn't normal. And when we behave that way, those behaviours don't stay. So what we wanted to do was wait until everything settled down a little bit and then start looking at how COVID had impacted on the way we used our homes. Mm -hmm. But what we actually found was that it hasn't impacted that much. What it has done is speed up certain trends and slow down other trends. Right. So we've put together this trend map, which is basically a visual depiction of all the relevant trends that surround the way that we use our home. Mm -hmm. and. Look at the ones to see which have grown, which have um, declined, which are potentially growing at the moment, but may not be long term behaviors. And then from that, we, we can, had a top level to start with, which were the mega global mega trends like sort of urbanization, digital revolution aging population all of those kind of things and then we filtered them down Mm -hmm. to how a more micro level which is how they impact us locally so in our own home in our own environment in our own town yeah and the way that that were a trend map works is that it shows things very linear but actually trends aren't linear they're all over the place and the impact on each other and what looks like the sort of set of silos aren't, they're all interacting with each other. The report that we did that you saw yeah. was basically the top 10 trends that we felt were going to have the most impact on our the way we use our homes and therefore set the priorities for our homes for 2022.
0: Whilst the KBB focus looked at the top five, certainly the report itself, as you say, was a top 10 priorities for our homes in 2022. And I downloaded a copy of that PDF in preparation for this interview to find out more about those trends. And it's worth actually sort of highlighting a few of them. I'm going to do an almost fluff Freeman for anyone old enough to remember him. (laughs) Countdown at number 10, uh, hybrid homes. At number nine, ageless homes. At number eight, pet friendly homes. At number seven, office space at home. Yes, we're all using that. Uh, at number six, health checks at home. At number five, my favorite, Quiet Homes, which mentions Quiet Mark, as I mentioned. Number four, Clean Air at Home, which mentions Blue Air, a company who are Quiet Mark certified for their air purification products. So I'd like to discuss that more with you on this show. Number three, voice-activated homes. Number two, Curated homes, and number one, the subject which is on the tip of everyone's tongue, I suppose, easily sustainable homes. So, you put this wonderful report together. Let our listeners know where they might be able to download that from, please. What URL would they go to?
1: Um, they'll go to our uh, main website homepage, which is www.trend-monitor.co.uk, and it's on the front page at the moment.
0: Now, at number one in the chart, I said was easily sustainable homes. And I'm going to read a bit about that. It says that COVID has raised awareness of the impact we as individuals are directly having on the future of the planet. Recycling? water efficiency, and reduced food waste are at the top of our list of sustainability goals for our homes. Yet research by Trend Monitoring to Consumer Behaviours in the home found that although we say we want to adopt more sustainable habits, we very quickly fall back into our old ways if these habits are too difficult or inconvenient. 2022 will be the year for well-designed products that make these sustainability goals easier to achieve when i read that jane it actually coincided with my having just watched lg electronics's um ces 29 minute video looking at all their new products and connectivity and it's very interesting what you wrote there about um i like that line that said that consumers fall back into old ways if these habits are too difficult or inconvenient. You'll be interested to know that in that video LG made three pledges. One was that by 2030 they want to reduce their carbon footprint by 50% of what it was in 2017. Number two, they want to use 600,000 tons of recycled materials in the manufacturing of their products. And the third one was that they want to recover over 8 million tons of old products and bring them back to be took, converted into new products. So we see this circular economy. Had you seen this news from and Have you seen this as a growing trend from manufacturers?
1: It is a growing trend and from a consumer point of view, there is an expectation that the big manufacturers should be sustainable and almost that it's their responsibility to make sure that they have sustainable manufacturing products that they are sourcing ethically and that they are moving towards a circular production. The easily sustainable home is more about the consumer mentality that Yes, we want to be sustainable yeah. in our home with sustainable habits, as in recycling, using less water, using less power. But it's very easy when you shut the door to shut the world out and just go back to whatever's easy for you. And we did some research with the Bathroom Manufacturers Association a couple of years ago now. And we did a diary study yeah. and we called it Behind the Bathroom Door. And it was an anonymous week long diary study that followed. 50 households and documented their bathroom habits nice. which was not always great but it certainly <laughs> highlighted the fact that particularly in the bathroom mm-hmm. there is this real sort of balance between wanting to be clean wanting to have a spa-like environment but also wanting to save water and outside the bathroom we say oh, yes of course I save water yes I would use water saving products but actually when they shut the bathroom door, they put the shower on for five minutes while it warms up, or they always have the deepest bath every night to relax because they feel that that's the way they, they deserve it. So we have these behaviours that a lot of them are ingrained from childhood, the way that our parents teach us to brush our teeth, wash our hands. And particularly now where we're told to wash our hands for, is it 20 seconds all the time? So and a
0: happy birthday.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. So, So on the one hand, we have messages that push us to use more water. But then we have a sustainability dilemma that says we shouldn't be using this amount of Mm -hmm. water. So what this is really um, putting it back to the manufacturers and saying, you've got customers out there that desperately want to have sustainable homes, how can you help them better? How can you make it easier for them? So yes, you've got your big promises that LG have and they're great. And they also help Customers choose products from manufacturers that have got a sustainability policy, but it's also going back to what, what are those products that can help consumers do those little individual things that make them feel good about their behaviours.
0: One of the things we've seen with smart technology, I read nine things we learned at CES on a certain report. Number one was that, yes, there's a lot more smart technology on the market, but consumers are saying they don't want smart for smart's sake. They want smart where it has a purpose, Mm -hmm. where where it has a meaning. So a good example of that is this, you know, once upon a time it was saying, hey, you can turn your dishwasher on from your phone And I think the consumer's going. It's all right, thanks. I'm standing right next to it. It's got a button. I'll push that rather than load the dishwasher, go and find my phone. (laughs) Who Who wants wants to to do that? You know, unless you want to switch it on from your car or whatever. What you really want is a dishwasher that recognizes the load that you've put into it, or possibly more. More the point, a washing machine that can sense the weight of the load that you've put into it and will only use the required amount of water to deal with that wash, and not use the same set amount. of water for every wash where sometimes you're washing 20 items and other times you might only be washing five that's what smart technology ross personally what i want smart technology to really do for me i don't care about selling it off on my phone so much but i do care that it helps me to be sustainable and more ecological
1: yeah no you're absolutely right we've done some more research into why isn't smart technology taking off as fast as it should in the home because all products are smart ready but customers aren't really using them and it's because When you look at a product and someone said, well, it does this, you need to think, well, so what? And the so what comes down to, does it save me money? Does it make my life easier? And the third one was, oh, does it make my life more secure? So security products like the ring doorbell, they, they are very, very popular. Products that will save me money and products that make my life easier. And if a smart product doesn't fit one of those, then the consumer just goes, so what? So what, I can turn it on from my phone. It doesn't make any difference to me. And it doesn't fulfil one of those three priorities in my life.
0: Going back to the report as well, I'd like to revisit number four, clean air at home in which it said that research by blue air found that seven out of ten people across all generations worry about the air that they breathe indoors as we become more aware of the risks of indoor air pollution and in particular how it affects children bacteria and viruses have long been top of the list of air pollutants we are concerned about and the pandemic along with government warnings against socializing indoors did nothing to allay these fears it was interesting to see clean air in the home included in the top 10
1: yes i mean this has been a concern for a lot of people for a long time and like i said the research found that seven out of ten people across all generations and across the world it was an international report by blue air Mm -hmm. and it was very interesting and it was particularly how it it, um, sort of polluted air affects children and the more we move towards a passive house then we are pushed towards having a more sealed environment in our house in Mm -hmm. our homes, so we're shutting the doors we're shutting the windows and actually what we need to do is open the doors and open the windows or alternatively have some kind of device that that cleans the air Mm. because the air in our homes inside our homes is actually worse than the the outdoors. Yes. And I think it was brought home to a lot of people because of the government warnings about socialising indoors and about the fact that actually outdoors is better, windows open is better, doors open is better. Mm. And also city living, there's been a real change towards what people want from Um, their location, and cities used to be where we're all heading because of the better pay, the better job opportunities, the better social life, the better facilities. But now estate agents are saying, well, actually our priorities for our homes are changing. We want an outdoor space and we want natural light and we want a good airflow through our property. So it's not just how we purify our air in a home, it's about how we actually bring in natural air as well.
0: Right. Can I look at curated homes with you? One of the reasons that struck a chord with me, we have a headline that we've used in a few articles. We used it in um, Grand Designs magazine recently, and it was orchestrate your soundscape. And uh, we talk about it from the fact that we're, at we have 1,200 Qualmark certified products around that number on quietmart.com it's more than tripled since the beginning of the pandemic Uh, but at no point are we suggesting that if you get a quiet kettle all your problems will be solved it's more a curation so if you really want to create uh, the best soundscape in your in your kitchen, especially if you've got laundry in there. It's a combination of quiet kettles, tumble dryers, washing machines, uh, you know, a whole range of products, which when you curate them, you improve the acoustics of your space and it's an easier space to work in. When we were chatting yesterday, you were saying that you're Husband uses the kitchen table as an office, right? So he can probably relate to what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, here. he
1: can, and he, he hates the amount of time I spend making cups of tea because every <laughs> time I need to put the kettle on. He goes, "I can't hear a thing," and so I have to move the kettle into the lounge. And, and I had not realised how much tea I drank until he sort of sent me out into the lounge every time I came downstairs to make a cup of tea because it was literally <laughs> deafening. But yeah. then we have a you know an open plan kitchen dining mm-hmm. utility. Um, with all the echoey surfaces.
0: so Yeah, yeah. So what was your specific page about curated homes about? It was was less about curating a soundscape. What was it uh, pointing towards?
1: Well, you sort of touched on it when you were talking about um, curating a soundscape in that you were making it easy for your potential customers or consumers to pick from a group of products that have already been scaled down so they actually hit the mark what the customer wanted and what is happening now is that because of all the sort of digital revolution that's going on and all digital technology that we have Mm -hmm. it's being used in a way that we are now bombarded with so many choices in in life every time we we pick up our phone there's an advert for something Mm -hmm. and it just means that it's making choosing products very difficult for us now we found that during lockdown that lack of choice had um, a detrimental effect on our uh, mental well-being right so having more choice is not always a good thing because you end up with this condition called decision paralysis which is what happens when we're faced with too many choices
0: Mm.
1: and then on the other side so we've got that as one trend that we've been bombarded with choices in every area of our life and then on the other side we've got this developing consumer mindset which is about prioritizing things that matter to us and that we are cutting back on things that don't matter to us and moving towards being more selective, investing in fewer but better products. So we've got these two conflicting trends moving side by side. I see. And really it's, it's a challenge to manufacturers and retailers to say if you want to make it easy for your target market to choose products. From you, then reduce your range. Look at the data to see how you can reduce things. Rather than making it a wider choice, make it a, a, a smaller choice. Make it very targeted towards your your customer. So use the data properly. Don't just use it to go, well, one person liked that, so let's put it in the range. Let's look at how twenty thousand people liked it. And it's not about making it mass market. It's about making it fit your target market. So you're making the choice easier and it's and when you make choice easier you make it more pleasurable and they're also less likely to regret the, the decision they've made if they were faced with less choices in the first place. So it's more of a developing consumer mindset in a reaction to what's happening with all the digitization that's going on.
0: Back in the day, Jane, I was a real record buyer. But I do sometimes think that with um, platforms like Spotify, you have decision paralysis. Back in the day... We only knew the top forty on Top of the Pops, and we saw six acts per week on a Thursday night, and we decided which mm. one we liked. We bought that record, and we became very devoted to that single, or certainly that album, and that, and knew the running order of the tracks and so on. And that so seldom happens in this day and age because. It's everywhere. It's an abundance. Yeah. And it's very hard to sort of say, well, where am I going to begin to start? And so I know that what people do is tend to sort of follow certain playlists on or uh, curated playlists on yeah. Spotify. So they, they're like, rather than be confronted with every song in the world, I'd rather go to, you know, Love's playlist of the week because I really like Love. He's only going to give me 30 songs. And I'm back to that sort of top 40 scenario. And mm. there is also that influencer, isn't there, who says does it bring me joy? And if it doesn't, you know, after six months, it's good to sort of reduce it. I was listening to Adam Buxton's podcast and he was talking to the author, the Chilean author, Isabella Allende, who was saying that her uh, parents had died and she had this task of having to try and get rid of their stuff. And she said they had silver cutlery and oil paintings and stuff that just no one wanted. And it was a Mm. massive task for her to actually lose it or keep it or divvy it up amongst the family or do whatever she had to do with it and so she said I'm not going to put my children through the same thing and she you know she's a multi millionaires best-selling author her books have been turned into feature films and uh, but she said no I want a simpler life I want a smaller house I've got my two dogs on my bed with me and my husband and she (laughs) said I've got less and I'm far happier having this and knowing that it's not going to be on my children to get rid of a mansion full of stuff
1: yeah, I mean, we talk about a quiet home, but it's also quiet mentally as well if you've got less clutter around you. I mean, I'm I'm not a big declutterer, I have to say. <laughs> um, but I do like the idea. So if I walk into a, a retailer and they have really curated right down to a beautiful range of products, yeah, then you you want to buy them all.
0: Yeah, the boutique, to, not the department store.
1: Yeah, but whereas you're going to like being and you're faced with, I don't know, 60 70 taps and you're like well I I just I just don't know and you walk straight out again so those are the two ends of the scale that yes we can make something in every single color and every single finish but do we really need to can we not scale it down and make it easier for the customer to choose
0: Going back to number five, my favorite one, Jane, quiet homes. Um, One of the things we've discussed on the previous episodes of the program is that with the silencing of the world came a reconnection to nature. Everyone in that sunny first lockdown that was March 2020, they were going outside and people going, I can hear birds more. I can even hear the wind in the trees. Did the reconnection to nature feature in some of the research that you did for your top 10 priorities for our homes?
1: I think that had been happening anywhere. We've seen, um, is it biophilia? That yes, biophilia. Yeah. Bringing the outside in, and also within kitchens and bathrooms, the surfaces were were being a lot more natural, sort of looking like natural wood, and that sort of hunkering down and, and wanting to feel safe and kind of shutting the outside world out because the outside world is is. You know it's, it's got a pandemic running through it so i think we did reconnect very much with our family with our um local communities with the environment which why it comes back to why sustainable homes is is top because we did really start to think about our impact on the planet and um just wanting to live in a, a sort of simpler way and whether there's there's various um various sort of pieces of research that say that we're coming out of that and we'll probably go back to our our unsustainable ways and we'll all move back to cities again but i think it's it's been a sort of a little bit of a like a stop a full stop and Mm -hmm. then we rethink and we'll start again and it won't be quite as um pronounced as it was at the beginning of lockdown which is why we didn't want to do that this research then but there are certain things that that have carried through like we say about quietness about clean air being sustainable having less stuff around us and those this is where we feel the that our our thoughts and our um communities are going
0: and of course you know jane we can't go back to the centralised office as your point number eight reminds us why Pet friendly homes. Everyone's gone dog mad, haven't they? We can't go to an office. We can't leave the dog at home. Tell <laughs> no. us more about pet friendly homes. Some of the stats on that, I'm sure our listeners will be amazed by.
1: Yeah, they're pretty horrifying, actually. <laughs> You've got um, four
0: dogs, Jane. You can't say yes, they're horrifying. Yes, I know.
1: And, and one did arrive during lockdown. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes, I'm I'm probably the the, the sort of um, real end of the scale. But yeah, um, <laughs> According to the Pet Food Manufacturers Association, which we've been following for some time because there has been a huge trend in pet ownership. And this was before COVID. 3.2 million households in the UK acquired a new pet since the start of the pandemic. And there are 17 million pet owning homes. Now, that is a mega trend. And it's something that architects, designers, interior designers, kitchen designers need to have a conversation with their client about how how much do you want to involve the dog in the kitchen design and (laughs) this has been happening for a long time but then when we saw this stat about the 3.2 million households acquiring a new pair we thought wow this is just going berserk
0: He's <laughs> really going berserk so. yeah blue, blue i have to mention blue air's uh air purifiers have hepa filters which uh reduce pet dander in the air so it's just as well air purifiers are selling with the abundance of dogs being brought into people's yeah, homes
1: absolutely because uh, far more people are allergic to them than they know i mean when we got to dog number four i realized that i was actually allergic to them so <laughs> um,
0: it took you four
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Was I the last one more of a though. sort of a shaggy head, long head dog than the others, or something?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> so you just hit the
0: balance <laughs> oh brilliant brilliant well I certainly love spending time with Romeo my dashing who's featured yeah. on the on the quiet mark podcast a few times uh number seven in the chart was um office space at home I mean yeah. I'm working from a home office you're working from a home office I'll read a little bit one of, of that one if I may it says that prior to the pandemic in 2019 just 27 percent of the workforce on average during the year reported that they had done any work from home but by april 2020 figures released from the office for national statistics showed that the proportion of people in employment who had done some work at home had increased not surprisingly to 47 percent following the outbreak of covid19 of course the big question is how many of them are going to stay with that or are we going to see hybrid models what can you tell us in relation to that please jane
1: yeah so obviously in april 2020 was just at the beginning of the lockdown and we were all told to work well we're either furloughed or told to work from home but they also took some more figures and, and this has been tracked by the office for of national statistics since the beginning of lockdown and figures when we were looking at this research the latest figures were october 2021 mm-hmm. even as the lockdown restrictions were being lifted one third of working adults had worked from home at some point during the past seven days. So the figures had gone down from April 2020, but towards the end of last year, it's still a third of working adults had at some point worked from home
0: so Jane thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us on the Quiet Mart podcast today it's been fascinating going through your top 10 priorities for our homes in 2022 I really recommend that listeners download that report it's full of great insights which you've shared more information about today thanks again for taking the time
1: Uh, thank you for inviting me Simon it's been an absolute pleasure bye bye bye